Hey everyone, welcome back to H2W Zoomer's Take on Financial Independence Retire Early. I'm Derek, I'm here with Kevin and Andrew, and on this episode, we're kind of bringing it back to the basics, and we thought it's about time to kind of go over what are the things you need to know to start investing. Whether you're a student or you're someone who has heard about people talk about investing, you've come across our podcast, you've come across Instagram gurus telling you it's time. Um, so here's our take on things you need to know and how to get started and as we break things down. So hope you enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back. So breaking this down, how I'm, I'm trying to think about like how to break this down in like a very cohesive manner. But I would say like if someone was like, okay, I'm ready to invest, how can I start? Mm-hmm. What would you guys tell them? Like seriously, right? Yes. <laughs> I think the the first thing that most investors or like people that are getting interested in investing should do is focus on learning the material first. So I think for you, that's where you started, right? You started reading. Oh, yeah. I think jumping in directly has bitten a lot of people in the butt, right? Because I think a lot of people who jump right into like Robinhood tend to like try out the different features that Robinhood has. And then obviously, like we kind of know that Robinhood kind of Robinhood is a brokerage, but they kind of uh, focuses on they focus on the the fun stuff mm-hmm. for Robinhood, and then they're usually the things that makes them more profitable, and uh, vice versa, or versus like making you more profitable as an investor, right? Oh, I see. So first, I would jump into the books a little bit. I think everyone kind of starts learning about like just like. T- thinking about assets, right? Because most, I think most of the time when you talk with somebody that hears about investing, I think you brought it up a little earlier, usually people talk about like specific stock names, right? Mm-hmm. And they they want to be like investing in a specific stock or they want to buy that stock because that stock went up. Mm-hmm. But they don't really know what that means exactly. Right. So then when the stock does crash or like we're going through a correction like right now, most people don't know exactly what to do when that happens because they don't understand the underlying uh, asset, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, personally, I would say start with by reading some either blog Generally. articles or books okay. about investing. And then after that, you can jump into choosing a brokerage and doing the research there. Yeah. I think you kind of researched a lot of brokerages before you kind of hopped into one. Yeah, so I, I would agree with like doing some googling or reading or like watching youtube even there's a Mm -hmm. lot of youtubers and we can maybe link some of the ones that we watched Mm -hmm. when we started um just to kind of at least get familiar with i know like in this space it's always very like oh i don't want to think about it there's so many things to think about Mm -hmm. there's so many terms but maybe just the basics of like what a stock is what is a brokerage account Mm -hmm. um and kind of the basic fundamentals of investing and i think ones that at least we here go by is like if things are actually i don't know what i'm trying to say but it's more like <laughs> like oh not five minutes maybe like 4 30 that's so long All right, 
What is up, everyone? It's been a while. Hopefully, everyone is doing well. Welcome to a new episode of H2W, Zoomer's Take on Financial Independence, Retire Early. For this week's episode, we thought it'd be nice to kind of go back to our roots and foundation and start anew to some of our listeners who are just getting into this realm of investing. And we want to really kind of provide an introduction to that of explaining what is investing, why it's important to invest, and ways you can get started um, and clearing any misnomers that there might be from kind of any fears that you've had. And so stay tuned for a fun episode with Kevin, Andrew, and Derek. Are you going to read back to them? Sure. I'll do it at 530. All right, welcome back. I think to get started, the we can talk about like the question of like what prevented us from starting investing earlier. Because I think I had always known mm-hmm. that investing was a good thing, mm-hmm. um, but there was also this painted picture of like it was always like a risky place to be, and mm-hmm. like because of that, there was all these big terms that I needed to know, and then because of that, I just stayed away from it altogether while I was in school because I was like, oh, I have more important things mm-hmm. to think about. And so I guess going around the room, maybe we can ask like, wh- why did you start investing and what prevented you from investing earlier? Mm-hmm. I guess how, what, how early is early? Like what's the earliest you can be an investor? I think honestly, you can be pretty early. I think, what's it? I've heard of families who their parents would like create a stock brokerage for their kids and then they could do it. But let's say that your parents didn't intervene in your investing life. <laughs> I think you might have to be honest. Like if you think about like your how you sign up for a brokerage account, mm-hmm. like any like stock account, probably like you just have to know your social, honestly. Well, I think it also does. Some, some brokerages have like a income requirement, for example. No, I don't think they have income requirements anymore. So only, some, some do, some only still do. do. No, only accounts that have a mutual fund at- attached to it. So like, I think, uh, that's, it's only a couple. So I think most doesn't have like an income requirement. Like yeah. mine doesn't, none of mine. So to start investing in stocks, um, you will need to be at least 18 year old, years old, uh-huh. but you can start earlier if you have a parent or guardian okay, who yeah, can open a custodial account. For right, you. right. So it's kind of similar to like a bank account, right? Yeah. Custodial account if you're under 18. True, true, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no, there's no, yeah income requirement that kind of stops you from starting to invest in like the stock market if you would like to start there right mm-hmm. um like for me i think that was something that i believed in so i think i my parents kind of told me that i, I needed at least like five thousand dollars when i was a kid to like start investing and which, which could have been true which could have been true back then Nah, it was not true i looked it up not true back then <laughs> <laughs> So some, they, I know I just want to say because some brokerages, at least up here in Canada, even today, have an initial deposit requirement. Uh, yeah, so, okay, some yeah. have have that, but it's usually when they're tied to a mutual fund. Oh, if you're yes. not allowed to invest into a mutual fund, uh, if you don't put in like a, a, a minimum, minimum like amount, starting amount, right? yeah, and yeah. it's usually pretty high, like yeah. a thousand or like sometimes five thousand. Right. But in terms of like just investing in like like a normal stock, there's no like income requirement. So then 
for me, okay, I mean, like, yeah, so, like, what, what, what got you started in investing, and, like, yeah. how early was earlier, did you start, or did you want to start earlier? I think I wanted to start pretty early, I think I was trying to start back in high school, but then a lot of things were just kind of restricting me, mm-hmm. well, especially because I thought there was an income requirement, but then when we got to college, I think we talked about this in another episode, but uh, we, or not we, uh, Robin Hood came out originally, and then I downloaded it right away and I found out I can just like create an account. And back then, the thing, the only other reason why I knew I could create the account by myself mm-hmm. was because I actually knew my social security at that point because I was like applying for jobs. Hey. So then this is the only way I was going to do it by myself because my parents already told, like if I had to ask my parents for my social security number. They would have been like, no. No, they would have been like, oh, you can't do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe not. So then... <laughs> So that's how I got started. And Kevin's on the App Store a lot, I'm pretty sure, because he plays a lot of games. Okay. So he's always perusing yeah. the hottest no, apps That is at true. That moment, I didn't so. know it was like a, yeah. a brokerage account at the beginning. You're just like, top downloaded app? What is this? Yeah. So I just download like the top three apps. What's this happen? <laughs> Dude, there's a bad situation. Okay, this is slightly unrelated, but uh-huh. kind of funny. Hit it. Connected. But a couple days ago, uh, what's it called? True Social became like the most trending app on uh, the App Store. I don't know. I was so okay. I'll, I'll build it up. Okay. So True Social, it has like a big T on it, right? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this probably means like this is the new Twitter app that Elon like bought and re- rebranded, right? Oh shit! Uh-huh. So that's what I thought. And he also tweeted about it. So I was like, okay, this is probably Elon's Elon's uh, new project, right? I opened up the app and I'm like playing through, and I was just like, oh, there's a lot of Republicans on here. I don't know why. <laughs> And then I look into it a little more, and then like the top recommended like follow was Trump. Was Trump. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. So then I looked into True Social, and I realized it was Trump's app that he was trying to make. Oh, he's making a Twitter because he's banned off. Of yeah, Twitter. he's banned off of Twitter, so he made a Twitter. That's funny. So yeah, so, sometimes it leads me to like download random things that are not great, but you know, <laughs> or you know, or nothing. Get better exposure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think for me that that was the only blocker. Mm. But what about you guys, Andrew? Um, I mean, I had I had my dad like hold stocks when I was a kid. I think I was like eight or nine years old, like in his own individual brokerage account for me. Like <laughs> I would give him money that I received for my birthday or like you know New Year's, and he'd buy like whatever stocks and he'd tell me. But uh, oh wow, I, yeah. But I I mean it was never legally under my name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like I didn't have like a source of income until I got out of college, actually. So mm-hmm. it was like there's no point for me to invest because I had no money to invest. <laughs> yeah, you can always trade. I guess yeah, trade. A, a question that oh, this is maybe a question later, but I'm just gonna ask you now. But if when you when you did start investing because you're you weren't like a U.S. citizen, could you not open an account at like a U.S. brokerage? Uh, so you can. Uh, it's a bit more complicated. I mean, every, everyone's uh, immigration status is a little different, but um, for the most part, as long as you have a social security number and you're paying taxes for the, uh, or you're filing taxes, um, then you can open up a brokerage account. Okay, regardless of like citizenship. I mean, so this I'm gonna give no like, you know, end all be all like <laughs> you know, statements. <laughs> But uh, for the most part, if you have a social security number issued to you, then you can generally open up like uh, financial accounts. I see. And usually those financial accounts will walk you through that process, right? Yeah. Was the process any different for you? Uh, well, I'm I'm in Canada still right now. But uh, back when I was opening up my bank account and stuff, it's pretty much the same. 
All yeah. you really do is just show them like, uh, yeah, driver's license and social security. So, yeah. So it's not, not too different. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, for me, I wish I started investing earlier. I didn't really know about what investing was other than this like fancy term that I thought adults would just do. Um, but at least within my family, it was always like, oh, we don't really know what that is. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of education on that, knowledge on that. And so just never thought it was important. Um, and the day-to-day -day life, if you don't invest, it's not very much different than someone who does invest. And so um, there was that. And so I didn't get exposed to that until after like graduation. And then I started reading I came across like financial YouTube algorithm or something. They mm -hmm. picked me up for some reason. And that's when I was like, oh, what, what is this? Like you can retire early. You can, you can be like financially free. And like through, through that is like this term investing. And that was like a means, like a, a carriage that could take you there. Um, and that's when I got a little bit more interested. And so that's when I started, which I wish I started earlier, but um, yeah, so I started like a year after college basically. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of when I did. And so I think that segues us into kind of this question of what is investing? Mm -hmm. If we, you know, a new listener is listening in and they're like, yeah, investing. Mm -hmm. What is that? Are there just stock markets or is, you know, um, right. So, I mean, Andrew and I can try to, to explain this, but others explain it pretty well too. Mm -hmm. Um, especially like a website, like Investopedia. Yeah. They're yeah. like a great Wikipedia place for any like financial term. Like yeah. you can literally look up everything there and they'll explain it to you. So, I mean, in my opinion, or not my opinion, the way I view investing and like what I, how I would define it is using your money. So any funds that you have to, uh, put it to work by either buying or I guess buying, but I mean like investing could be like putting in your time too. Right. So then, so you would invest like your time or your money into something specific, either a business, uh, any, so a business, a, uh, what's it called? Like a stock or anything that can hold value mm -hmm. or is worth some type of value. And then the goal of that is to have that asset. So the things I described were considered assets like houses, um, stocks, businesses in certain ways. And have those things produce more money than you put in. So that's the end goal, right? So just to have your money do more work for you while you're kind of like sleeping. I think that's the thing that most people talk about, right? Mm -hmm. um, in cer certain things, it's like less passive, right? So there's definitely things that require more time. So for example, like buying a house requires a lot more time than uh, buying stocks. So and requires more money, right? So mm -hmm. certain assets are more um, more reachable or more accessible for most people. So that's why stock market investing comes up pretty often, just because it's very accessible. You don't even have to buy full shares now, like you can buy fractional shares. So buying fractional shares just means you buy- You're yeah. diving pretty deep, but yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. So like the, the, the barrier of entry is like very small for mm -hmm. investing into like stocks. stocks. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people start, start there, whereas there are other ways to invest, but they usually take more effort and more time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with Kevin for the most part. I think like just the overarching idea is that you're putting in something and you're trying to get more out than you put in initially. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, that could be outside of money too. That could be in like, you know, investing in other people and whatnot, mm -hmm. so. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a thing, right? Because like a lot of people, especially in like the financial uh, field or financial like bubble that we are kind of part of, they, mentoring is a really big thing. So yeah, like yeah. finding a mentor that can help you and I in the real estate or in terms of like stock market investing, mm-hmm. like that's huge. Like right. Andrew had like many mentors in stock market investing. And that's probably why he kind of understood it at like a high level pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Whereas like we kind of like kind of explored it on our own through like other means, mm-hmm. but having a mentor is like great for that. And then those mentors are actually investing their time into you, right? So that's like another way to invest. Um, but yeah, what other questions were you thinking about, Derek? Well, I just like so yeah. So this idea of investing is you're putting something in and you're getting a greater value out of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways, at least, what our podcast here H two W talks a lot about is you know the stock market and that being one of the things and because we're very influenced by like the united states we're, we mostly invest in like the u.s stock market which is um <clears throat> termed as like the new york stock exchange mm-hmm. and that's where they hold kind of the trades and all that stuff and that's a little bit complicated but i would say the opposite of when someone who doesn't invest like the way that it made sense for me was like I want to invest the money that I make, like if I work like a part-time job or like if I have like a job that's getting income or I get like money in my bank account from like my birthday or something. Um, I would rather invest that uh, instead of keeping it in my bank account because as we said, investing is something where you put your money in and you're hoping to get more out of. Whereas um, we live in a society today where if you keep your money in your bank account, it eats away its value due to like inflation and so because of that, you're like losing money in a sense, or if you're like spending more than you have in your bank account, then you're going into like credit card debt. And so like you're, you're basically spending more than you have. And then now you have to make up for it in some ways. And so you're like losing your, your personal net value income, I guess. Um, and so I don't know how, <laughs> well, so Wait, okay, let me let me just jump in here because I yeah, feel yeah. like we're like we're like we're going right deeper now. and deeper in each time. Yeah. But I think one thing maybe we could we can talk about right now. I think what Derek was kind of getting at is that um, you, when we're talking about investing, there's different uh, ways that we can invest, and each way kind of has its range of return. Right? Yeah. Range of return being like maybe you put in you know let's just say apples. You put in one apple to get two apples, right? Uh-huh. So that'd be a two x return. And maybe in some places you put in one apple and you get uh, one and a half apples. So that's a 50% return, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, stock market and, and, and housing and bank accounts all offer different ranges of returns. Mm-hmm. And based on you know what your goals are um, for retirement or whatever for saving, um, you can kind of choose and kind of choose between all these different um, methods of investing. Right. And the, the other thing that we need to talk about, especially like, even when we compare like bank accounts, stocks, and like housing, the main thing that dictates those returns that Andrew's talking about is the risk behind it, right? Mm, yeah. And I think that's really important to talk about with like everybody who are worried about putting their money into stocks, right? Because I think some people saw a lot of stocks blow up during GameStop last year, mm-hmm. where they lost like basically. Fi- I mean, honestly, this year's not. At that much different where some people are losing 50 to 60 percent of their stock value or their their worth mm-hmm. net worth in like a simple stock like netflix 
like someone something that people thought was super safe, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we got we got really focused on like how risk plays a big role in like investing. Sure. Because when we talk about like bank bank accounts, right? Some people actually appreciate the um, the safety of a bank account because it doesn't return much, but you know your money is always going to be there, and like that value is the same. I mean, typically. The number value is going to be the same when you put it in yeah. and then like it could and change we, based on inflation what derek was talking about earlier mm -hmm. and it just means like things in the real world might get more expensive so the money that you have in your account is going to be less valuable right right it, less purchasing power yeah exactly so then like people search for risk or higher returns elsewhere right mm -hmm. and that's where you have to increase your risk so when you're looking for higher returns then your risk usually uh increases a appropriately right mm -hmm. so generally housing is very low risk so you see a lot of people put a lot of money into houses and then generally people don't expect their house value to drop more than like one or two percent a year or increase one or two percent a year so the mm -hmm. very small change in value but like you know your money's pretty safe and you have this thing to live in right right whereas when but then the downside of that is like housing the barrier of entry is generally really high right yeah. so yeah so then, you, then people are like, oh, okay, barrier entry is high, but risk is nice. So then like there's people try to find ways to uh, alleviate that like barrier of entry, right? Mm -hmm. So then they look for other places to have a higher return. Right. And then the next, well, okay, quote unquote, safest spot after housing, for some, depending on the person, some people consider it like stock investing, right? But specifically picking... Uh, large companies or mm -hmm. large like a mix of stocks in certain ways so that it is a little safer but then in terms of return it's not as high so based on that then you can make your decision if you're like oh okay like I am more risky okay so I don't have the funds for a house but I'm like a more risky investor so then I can like or like not risky mm. but like I'm not exactly like scared to lose money or like not scared well, I'm scared to lose money, but not exactly, um, what's it called? I don't really need this money now, right? Because I think the other yeah. thing we talk about in, in investing is that this is something that you look at, look at in like five to 10 year spans. Honestly, even like 30 year spans if you can, right? Yeah, and that's different. That, that I think that's like a principle that could differ from what you might get in pop culture. Mm -hmm. Like when you're on TikTok and you see people talk about investing or, or just like, some of the crazy headlines is like these people get rich overnight mm -hmm. or these people like double the extra returns you're like oh dude investing that's what that means mm -hmm. but then as like a consumer like an average person you kind of already know like some of those sound too good to be true and it's mm -hmm. probably very risky what they're doing mm -hmm. and yes that's true whatever they're doing if they get those returns there are probably a million other people who tried the same thing but then mm -hmm. lost a bunch of money right and so the investing that we're kind of trying to push out and encourage the listeners to like research more about is more of like the basic boring kind of idea of the fundamentals of what investing specifically in the stock market would look like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not boring either. Right. Cause like, mm -hmm. I think it depends on the person that you're talking to, right? Certain people don't want to be like paying attention to stocks all the time. Mm -hmm. So for the, the fact that investing simply in like long-term stocks, um, even though it's simple, it's something that anyone can do like at any age and then they can just kind of leave it there and just have it automated, about it right? right and then it doesn't affect your day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. 
which is like the general population, right? Mm -hmm. No one, I mean, everyone wants to make a big return, but like if it does, if it takes away from their daily life, then like they start to really question what they're doing, right? Right. And so that's why, like, I think just touching on this before we go further into this is like investing is something you, once you're starting to think about, you look at kind of your current expenses and you say, oh, at what, like, what amount of money do I have left over where I really don't see myself using mm -hmm. in like the next five to 10 years? Because right. the investing only works if you give it enough time. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't really know what's going to happen um, to the value of your money in the stock market between like a year or two. But then we generally have an idea that like, oh, in the next five to 10 years, uh, things are always in like an upward trend. Mm -hmm. And so if that belief is like shared amongst all investors, then um, whatever you do, you look at your life and you kind of plan out the money that you don't need. Mm -hmm. And rather than like keeping that in just extra cash or you already have a safety net, then you can start looking into investing right. and like building that out. Right. And then in cases where you do find it boring, so I think Derek's kind of <laughs> signaling that he might think general, like basic investing is kind of boring for him now. So then you can, the nice thing about the stock market is it lets you adjust like your risk right. as you kind of grow to be a better investor, right? Mm -hmm. So for you, you can start looking at specific stocks instead of, you know, like a basket of stocks. So, um, and then that way you can kind of adjust your returns, right? Because you're in typically or hypothetically, because you're increasing risk, your returns should be higher. Mm -hmm. but that's not always true, right? Because I mean, obviously, things can't always go down. So, um, I think, I think that's the other uh, thing about the stock market. Market that's great for I think beginner beginning investors. It, the barrier of entry is low, and then if you want to grow, the stock market will tech, uh, typically grow with you, right? I see. So if your domain of knowledge in the stock market and domain of like interest increases, then the stock market will kind of scale with you. So I think that's why it's very appealing for a lot of people as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, Andrew, any thoughts on this? Uh, nothing particularly. I mean, I think I, what yeah, you guys are doing. Maybe you can right? like. We can go into like if so. So now like we kind of have a general understanding of what investing is. Like just a quick outline of like what would be the next steps. Mm -hmm. um, and if you could like outline that path from like beginning to, okay, now I'm an investor. Um, so, I mean, so obviously, like we had mentioned earlier that um, your life stage and your circumstance uh, kind of matters. And um, one thing for sure you need to do is figure out how much uh, you're trying to save. So looking at your budget and looking at what you're spending on and what you're willing to save is probably the first step uh -huh. um, and to determining what your investment uh, strategy is. Uh, and then after that would be, I mean, if you're for the average person, you're probably looking at the stock market as one of the ma major options um, uh, to invest. You're uh -huh. probably looking into opening up a brokerage account, right? And so a brokerage account is basically um, you know, similar to a bank account, it's like a financial account that allows you to hold and trade stocks um, and other other financial instruments, but um, for the most part, uh, stocks. So and what are some uh, common ones that people use? Uh, I'm actually not too familiar because I'm, I'm in Canada. So I have, we have a whole bunch of different brokerages <laughs> up here. And just in Canada. Um, I see. But I, I know that like, yeah, Kevin mentioned one, which was Robinhood, um, Charles Schwab, E-Trade. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fidelity, Vanguard, yeah. M1. I think Fidelity has gotten a lot more popular recently mm-hmm. just because it connects with a lot of people who are, or connects with a lot of people's 401ks. I mean, mm-hmm. that's another term that you don't need to know yet, but especially, I mean, when you're young, you probably don't have a 401k because you're probably not working on a job that provides that benefit. Right. But because it's all connected now, Fidelity is really popular. I see. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, when you choose, choose your brokerage, you can just go on Google and just look up, you know, 2022, I guess it's this year. Brokerage. Yeah, best brokerage in 2022 America, right? Yeah. And yeah. Just don't use the only thing that I really care about a brokerage because generally they're all the same. Mm-hmm. A lot of the features aren't like drastically different. Drastically different. Mm-hmm. And like they won't provide any difference for a beginning stock investor, right? The only thing I would pay attention to is if they have trading fees. So right. those still exist nowadays, at least. And, but there are far, far few between for at least the US. I don't know about Canada. I think Canada, they still have a lot of like fee-based trading, right? Yeah. yeah. And fee-based trading just means that every time you make a trade, they're going to charge you a specific fee. So when you buy or sell. Right? Yeah. When you're buying or selling a stock, they charge a fee and they take a cut from you. And I think like a brokerage account is like, very similar. You can look at it very similar, like what Andrew mentioned earlier, like as a bank account, like you can have multiple brokerage accounts. You don't need, like if you start with one and you realize, oh, I don't really like this or it has mm-hmm. a lot of fees. Yeah. You can transfer your money out of that mm-hmm. um, and go to a new brokerage that you find later down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's not like a one decision, you do it once and then you can't undo your decision. It's very much like um, just kind of researching whichever one fits your needs best right. at that time. Right. Right. And then I think, well, after putting or opening a brokerage account, I think the next, I mean, okay, should we dive deeper into like what kind of brokerage accounts you are? And is that like a little too much for this episode? No, I think, I think maybe just like letting Andrew finish off, like, okay, now you have a brokerage account. What's the next step until like when you're an investor and then we can just cut it there and then there'll be more detailed episodes to follow. Sure. Like, I, I think I mentioned like coming up with an investment strategy and it's kind of a very general statement, but mm-hmm. um, for the most part, figuring out how much money you're willing to invest per month basis um, is a good start. So um, if you want to invest $100, um, then maybe you'll make an automatic tra- set up an automatic transfer between your bank account and your brokerage for $100 every month. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, hands off, um, you don't need to uh, manually uh, make that transfer happen. You're um, brokerage will basically request your bank to um, receive that money or your bank uh, pushes that money towards your brokerage account. Right. Um, uh, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about, um, you know, what do you use, put the hundred dollars towards, right? Yeah. Cause right. when you do that, you're just transferring cash to cash. Now your brokerage is basically holding that initial hundred dollars as a hundred dollars cash. It's not just because the money is now in the brokerage account. It doesn't mean that it's invested. Right. 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 So before we get to that point, we would like to bring up one of our sponsors that we're using today to record this episode because Andrew's back in Canada. Yes. So this episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is our number one preferred podcast tool. They provide a crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. We really like that it records separate audio and video tracks for our guests as well as us, which makes the post-processing and everything a lot easier. Plus there's a secured cloud backup, so we never lose our data when we have our interviews. 
and it's really easy to use. Like there's nothing to download. You just go to Zencaster and you can start operating it just through its UI. Um, and so our guest just clicks on the links and then we're ready to go and start recording. And so if you guys are interested in learning more, feel free to go to zen.ai slash zoomers take on fire the H2W pod. I know that's a long link, so we'll link it in our description. Um, and you can get 30% off your first three months with a pro account, which is really easy for you to kind of create your own podcast and create these discussions with uh, friends and family. Nice. Thanks, Derek. So coming back to the topic that we we're talking about right before that, um, this is actually a very common thing when people open up their broker's account or even create like other types of brokerage accounts, right? They'll transfer money in there. Yeah, they think they're done. They, yeah, they think they're done. That was me. <laughs> that was me. I was like, oh shoot, I'm done. And then I was like, I'm making money. Yeah, yeah. And then I, dude, I've seen it in so many accounts. I've seen it like whenever someone like shows me their account. I mean, like I shouldn't be like, you know, I'm not a financial advisor or anything. None of us are. None of us are. Disclaimer. <laughs> but like friends will show me their account and they're like, oh yeah, I started investing like six months ago, right? And they've been like putting 500 a month. Every month yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay, let me see. And then they're like, oh, here you go. And then I'm just like, oh, <laughs> it's not invested in anything. So it's just like sitting there and they're just getting interest on it, like a normal bank account. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, I see. Yeah. So um, what are the next steps, Andrew, to once you input your money into your brokerage account? I mean, we talk about it a lot in this podcast, um, and if you look, if you listen to the pre- prior episodes, I think it'd go pretty far back. But we talk about um, uh, investing into the stock market indexes, or indices, um, and so I think Derek uh, is a very big proponent of passive index investing. Um, basically, where the idea is we're averaging into uh, index, um, and just to give you like a high level overview of what an index is is um, the stock market is comprised of a whole bunch of companies and an index represents a sub-segment of the whole entire stock market. So it could be, for example, like the S&P 500, which represents the 500 largest companies by market cap, uh, meaning valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be something else where it, ta- um, where it captures maybe um, like the tech sector. The industry. Yep. Right. So uh, that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. So it's like once you have your money transferred into your brokerage account you created your account and all of that and you're ready to invest um, now you basically go shopping for something um, and that something can be an individual company where you're just buying a small fraction of ownership in that company or like what andrew said you can look at these indices and buy some a basket of a funds where you're just making one purchase but you're buying and you're capturing a segment of the entire stock exchange whether that be an industry thing, whether that be divided up by market cap or countries or kind of different markets. There's a bunch of different categories in which stock markets are organized. And if you are interested in incorporating those changes and growth in your own portfolio, then you would kind of look up which appropriate funds to add uh, into your portfolio. And so kind of this thing that we're talking about is like asset allocation. And so it would be just going over the steps again, you create a brokerage account, you transfer money, and throughout this entire time, you're researching, you're learning, you're thinking about asset allocation um, so that when you have money in your brokerage account, you're ready to kind of deploy and buy the appropriate amounts of each either individual stock companies or indices or mutual funds so that it it aligns with your belief in your asset allocation. Mm -hmm. 
And once you do that, that's pretty much like the end goal. Um, and so I know that's like a lot of like high level stuff really fast, but um, once you do click that buy and you're doing this on a monthly basis, which is recommended usually by a lot of people because it's dollar cost averaging to kind of capture the ups and downs in the markets and the volatility and to ensure a safety on your end that you're not buying at like a crazy time when things might be really good and then it's about to crash or you're not putting all your money in because we just never know what the market is going to do but we just do know that in the future things will be better than things are today and so it's that's just that belief that we all hold on to as investors which is kind of cultish <laughs> true anyways anything else to add to kind of wrap this up as like a very I think it was pretty messy, but it's okay <laughs> for kind of how to get started in, in this kind of realm. I think reading, I think we should, I just want to stress that reading yeah. is really important. And I think it's a lot hard. of people like don't want to do extra reading, especially if you're students or you're working and part of your work is to read. Oh, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> podcasts, so audiobooks. Just like scroll back in our episodes, you know, and then like you'll find a couple episodes that explains exactly what we're talking about. I think we have like an intro to like stock market investing. Series. Yeah, like our very first episode was called Active um, versus Passive Investing. And so that kind of explains the, the two different methods on how people invest. Right. Um, and you can go, yeah, there's basically a lot of content out there. It's not just us. Um, like if you go on YouTube and you look up any kind of financial YouTuber, they generally have also like a beginner getting started how to invest mm -hmm. and just find whatever medium works for you to at least get exposed to this space because we feel that it's so important that this education should be made uh, public just because it's so like it's not taught at school and so mm -hmm. but it's a very important part of our daily lives and if you can find whichever way works for you whether that's reading a book you know buying book audiobooks podcasts watching youtube talking to your friends about it asking mm -hmm. your parents about it um seeking out mentors whatever you need to do um just taking that first step in learning about what investing is is going to bring tenfolds of the benefits and kind of open you up to this whole new space that I think a lot of us just are unaware about that brings a lot of values and can help potentially change your lifestyle and help you better plan your steps to come and like orient your goals in life mm -hmm. from the day-to-day -day basis. Right. And then as the riskiest person on this podcast, I would <laughs> just say it's better to open the account as early as possible than to over-research. I think Mm -hmm. There is a, I think in, at least in like any type of investing, a lot of people get stuck with what's called, um, analysis paralysis, right? Analysis paralysis. Yeah. So I would just say, open up that account, even though like you might not know anything yet, because that account just can sit there and Andrew, or Derek talked about this too. Andrew, don't laugh, but <laughs> you can just open the account. It has no effect on you. Yeah. Affect nothing literally to anything. Yes. And it'll just sit there if you don't do anything with it. You don't even need to put money in it, but just open up the account. And just because that account exists, you're going to be looking into things more thoroughly, right? Because yeah. you're not, and even, okay, and then like put a little money in there. Just like put like five bucks in there. So you yeah. remember that account exists. Instead of buying your weekly Starbucks, just see what five bucks can get you in the market. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have to put it in a stock. Just like put the money in there so you know your money's there. And then you're going to be like, okay, let's check up on that. And then... 
it'll do you a lot better than just overanalyzing everything. Yeah, basically, we're just giving you that signal you should start because we know starting yeah. is the hardest part on any journey, not just with investing, but usually when you think about all the things you need to do to do something, it's like getting started mm -hmm. is often the, the most important thing you should just do because everything else kind of just follows. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And you guys were lucky enough to listen to this podcast to kind of push you and take that step. Oh, yes, you know, like, there's, there's all those TikToks that was like, if you scroll upon this, like, this is your sign or like, this is like good luck or something. Yep, yep. So you found it. the money Buddha. <laughs> the lucky charms leprechaun. <laughs> Anyways, but thank you for listening. Um, yeah, feel free to email us, contact us, reach out to us if you guys have any questions on how to get started. We'll try our best because, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a definitely a hard topic to kind of go back and, can explain this to other people, um, but we want to be there for you. We want to try to invest and encourage everyone to kind of enter this space as well. And so, yeah, see you on the next episode.